Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the conversation, the Control V podcast. Uh, I'm here with my buddy, me, Ben. And uh, it's me, Josh, here again. Uh, today, we are talking about the VR hardware and the advancements of the VR hardware, uh, where it's come from, where it's at, where it's going. I'm going to be honest, I was really excited for this one. It's I, a pretty cool one. Well, you can talk about this for because hours. Because of how <laughs> fast things have evolved in the last, let's call it, six years at this point now. Yep. Maybe even se- almost seven years. Yeah. Uh, so VR, uh, for all you old folks out there who remember, uh, started back in like the 80s, like practical VR that we were able to use started back in the 80s. And it was clunky. It was It huge. was big. It was not high quality. And it was definitely not practical uh, for the average person. Yeah. Uh, certainly not in your home. <laughs> I don't think anybody could have them. So there were hundreds of thousands. Let's of dollars. fast forward to 2015, and both uh, Oculus, which is now Facebook, uh, they and HTC reveal their VR headsets. So the, it was the Rift and the Rift, uh, the original Rift, and then the Vive was the, the yep. first iteration from HTC, um, and they they took they, off. They just Surprising, well, they surprisingly, they didn't. They didn't explode. Yeah, because of the very reason that we that we talk about. We in, exist. In, in, <laughs> we exist is a VR arcade. <laughs> it is not sensible. We talked about this in the first episode. It is not really sensible to be doing VR at home, even though it's necessarily affordable now. Oh yeah, because of all the other things that you have in the way. So, yeah. So the, you know, the first headsets, which are still really really impressive today. Uh, Talk about them, man. Like, 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 what, 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 what set you? What, what sets you off about them? What, what is amazing about them, and what has changed about them now? I guess. So, uh, honestly, the part that gets me the most is the tracking. Just tracking these headsets in the virtual space is really, really cool. Uh, there are these base stations that sit up in the corners of our stations, uh, and they just constantly track the machinery and the controllers from from inside the both of them. Uh, and it's it's incredibly good in comparison to what I thought it was going to be like. Um, they just they just work. They're yeah. just really cool. The uh, the ocular part of it is really neat because they're basically like fisheye lenses um, that allow you to see normally out of each eye. It's like if you cover one eye, that's what you see in one of the eyes. Uh, if you cover the other, that's what you see in the other one. And that's how you can see, which is weird. Works. Yeah, yeah. Um, one, one of my favorite, obviously, you know, one of my favorite jokes that we talk about is when I was younger, my mother definitely told me not to sit so close to the screen; it will hurt my eyes and it'll damage my eyes. <laughs> and 10, 15 years, twenty years later, with VR, that screen, the lens, is less than an in, less than a centimeter away from my eye. My eyes are fine. In fact, we encourage it now. <laughs> yeah, um, but, it, but it, I, I think that that actually does go to to the hardware developers as a, as a as an order. It's a compliment to them to say, oh, yeah. "Listen, you guys actually took like a, a pretty no, well known like concern that people have, and you addressed it, and you made it compact, and you made it really, really good resolution. Even the original Vive, which is only I think one K." I think it's 1K per eye, maybe. Yeah. Uh, or even 1K combined. I mean, uh, the hardcore gamers out there are aware of the screen door effect. This notion that you get what, if you were standing in front of a screen door, you can see tiny bits of lines if you look close enough and if you focus low enough. Now, the original Vive and Oculus, they had a bit of that. If you yep. look closely, you can see a screen door. 
now let's fast forward a few years and you have the Oculus Quest come out and the Vive Pro come out. Yep. And you have... Um, it's interesting to see yeah. which directions both of them took. Yeah. So yeah. They, it looks like the HTC Vive decided to go with uh, the more powerful wired approach. And they were looking to get into the, um, uh, the computer market. They were trying to make it so that you had to connect your, your headset to your control or computer, and that was where their money was. Well, that's the, what they were thinking, that, right? Historically speaking, that's the only way that you could transmit high quality, high quality video and exactly. audio to a screen was through a cable. Even your TV, you can think about your TV, yeah. You might have a wireless signal coming into your TV that's giving you that's giving you that you know the, the the station or whatever, but ultimately you're still wired into something. That TV is still having to pull from something yep. to produce that image. Um, so yeah, traditional VR definitely was always wired because yep. that's the only way you could send a high quality image through the cables. And um, uh, the Quest or Oculus decided to go wireless. Now the first Quest wasn't super super powerful, a little bit lower on the graphics quality. It had a battery life. But I think the biggest part of the Quest is that it was wireless. And how, how did they pull that off? I have no idea. Well, uh, like, that is wild. Not like, how did they actually pull it off? <laughs> I'm saying, like, what did they do differently that, that HTC hasn't done yet? Or, or that HTC didn't do with their Vive? So, uh, cameras. Well, yeah, cameras and, and putting the computer processor in the headset, right? Yep. That was the big thing. We know, I mean, I've, you know, I don't remember if Moore's Law is still technically accurate, but every 18 to 24 months, the number of uh, processors on a chip, whatever, doubles, the price of it comes down uh, by half at least, and the size of it will also be cut in half. So you can even predict that when the v, when Oculus and HTC released their headsets, it was inevitable that we were going wireless. All they had to do was find a way to take those big PCs shrink it down to what we need, not just what everything's there, but what we need, and put it inside the headset. I Save you the trouble, wait. right? Like, it, it, it's it's amazing that they oh, were yeah. able to pull that off. And, uh, you know, for the average person, I think uh, comfort has to be there. Uh, convenience is definitely one. Yeah. And uh, weight, I think, comes with along with oh, comfort, right? Is yes. that weight is a huge, huge factor when it comes to we've, using VR. Does it feel clunky? Yeah, we've definitely found this issue with the Vive Pros versus the HTC Vives. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest issue with them is just the weight. The, yeah. the Vive Pros are, are slightly heavier yeah. on uh, specific parts of your face. Yeah. Uh, we get people who have a little bit more of a headache after wearing those headsets right in the front of their forehead here. Yeah. Um, whereas the Oculus Quest, I brought mine in because I have an Oculus Quest 2. Uh, it is incredibly lightweight. Yeah. Incredibly oh, yeah. lightweight. It, now I have almost, a counterbalance. Almost sorcerer like. It's, it's, it, yeah. it's literally magic. I've never seen it. Like, the, the so guys, good. yeah, they, they are <laughs> truly sorcerers wherever they made that. It's weird. But, yeah. Well. Um, so the headset's definitely one side of it. The other side is well, the controllers or the haptics and everything that goes along with it. Everything else other than the headset. So yeah. traditional controllers were still. Physical controllers you can hold, almost like a, uh, you know, for those of you who played the Wii, it's like the Wii remote or like an actual TV remote that you're holding and it's got a couple buttons on it. Uh, Tracking is amazing, but inevitably we don't want to be holding on to remotes forever because they don't simulate true reality. Our hands do. Yep. Which is why haptic gloves are really cool. They're going to be really <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And haptic gloves are great. 
They'd be really difficult it, it, to clean. Uh, that, that is certainly <laughs> one aspect of it that people, yeah. I mean, but, I, you know, you think about Ready Player One, right? Ready Player One is has does such a great job of showcasing what the hardware theoretically can be. Yeah. Having an omnidirectional, an omnidirectional treadmill. I've tried one. It's a really, really cool idea. Very hard to execute well right mm-hmm. now based on our based on the limitations we have. Uh, same thing with the haptics. Haptic vest, haptic vest, haptic gloves, haptic boots. Everything already exists. Is it super high quality like in the movie? Not quite. We're getting there. And that's what's really, really cool. But also extremely scary. Yep. Yep. Uh, definitely. Cer- certainly, you know, I, I know I've mentioned this to you, but my number one fear with VR is when I can't tell the difference between VR and reality because they were able to tackle all five and, senses. And we've had this Ooh, we've had just, this conversation. I'm excited for that. Yeah. So we've got like completely different thoughts. <laughs> it's gonna be different. It's gonna be different. But if you wanna come out and see where VR has come, uh, come out for a session book at controlvrk.com. If you want to be uh, an owner of one of these awesome arcades in the future, uh, an owner of distance, go to virtualrealityfranchise.com. And if you just wanna chat with us more about VR and where it's going and what's happening, uh, email us at I love VR at controlvrk.com. See ya. See you later.